Zeitgeist Turkey, coming to you weekly from Istanbul. Your smart guide to the state of Turkey. Welcome to Zeitgeist Turkey. I am Cansu Çamlıbel. As per usual, I am self-quarantining in Istanbul, working from home. And my partner in crime, Can Selçuk'i, shuttles between Ankara, Istanbul and Izmir. As far as I know, he just got back from a business trip in Ankara. So I'm hoping he has collected all the political gossip we need. Can, how was Ankara? Actual temperatures in Ankara are going down, I see. Winter has arrived, but political heat has gone up incredibly, right? Yes, Jansu, you are right. It was quite cold, much colder than Istanbul, I have to say. But politically speaking, it's a very heated environment. You know, everybody's trying to make sense of what's been happening in the past 20 days and the repercussions of that uh, for the future. Right. As we discussed together with our guest Aslı, Aslı Aydın Taşbaş, last week, Turkey watchers around the world are kind of stunned with the speed of contradicting messages that have come out of President Erdogan's mouth in the last uh, 15 to 20 days, as you reminded. And we, citizens of Turkey, are unfortunately accustomed to overnight twists by those who hold the power. However, even for us, uh, for you and I, <laughs> the developments that followed the resignation of finance minister and uh, President Erdogan's son-in-law, Berat Albayrak, have been somewhat dizzying, dazzling, and really hard to follow. Last week, we were still wondering whether the reform rhetoric could be actually put into action while there is clear opposition uh, from President Erdogan's alliance partners, Devlet Bahçeli. And this week, it became clear that President Erdogan will not really be able to row against the tide of Bahçeli's MHP. For instance, there is no Kurdish problem in Turkey. Well, he said that among many other things, but for me that was really important, especially when we put that sentence together with how he identifies the former HDP leader Selahattin Demirtas. He once again said that Demirtas not said his name, but implied that he's a terrorist. What's really going on? What happened? Well, Jansu, what happened is that, you know, this all started because of economic indicators and result of opinion polls. And we, we talked about this last week. Let's make one thing clear. I mean, nothing has changed much since the replacement of economic management two weeks ago and the share of People's Alliance of AK Party and MHP in the polls. So the very things that caused Mr. Erdogan to alarmingly make changes or attempt to make changes, the reasons are still there. However, it seems along the way, Mr. Erdogan made a choice in that for him, it's much more important to keep his alliance with MHP than perhaps let go of his party men or, or dilute the reform agenda that he had in mind. Obviously, we never actually got a full understanding of what the reform agenda in his mind was. But now it seems that it will be limited to things pertaining to the economy, changes in the legal system that concerns the economy, investment climate and ease of doing business, those kind of things. So I think it's safe to say now that it will not be a you know, broad-scoped judicial system, judiciary reform. 
And clearly, a short answer to your question, what happened is that when Mr. Marcelli fervently opposed the statements of uh, Mr. Orange, then Mr. Erdogan obviously chose to keep his ally by himself. Now, this is interesting. Why? Because their son does not give them an electoral victory. And the whole idea of these moves, as I said, were to change that tide, to make up for the losses that People's Alliance have experienced in the past few months and, you know, make their way back to 50 plus 1, 51%, 52% of the popular vote. Now, without any reforms, I don't know how this is actually possible. And let me make one thing clear. People don't really care about reforms. The reason why we are talking about reforms is that to fix the economy, it's not enough to fix the economy only in Turkey. You need to fix many other things so that, you know, trust in the economy is reinstated and, you know, investors think about coming back to Turkey. Domestic uh, dollarization gets reversed as lira uh, gains in value and all these things. So if the government were to find a way to do all these things without actually fixing other things, you know, the average uh, water, the median water would be uh, equally satisfied. So they don't really care if it comes, you know, the economic improvement comes through reforms or not. But we know for a fact that it can only come through a broad uh, scope uh, reform. And without that, I don't quite see how the economy will be fixed. And in return, I don't quite see how uh, the People's Alliance is going to make up for the loss they've experienced in popular uh, vote. Well, John, first of all, it's really depressing and disheartening to hear from someone like you, you're a political analyst, you're an expert on numbers, that the reforms per se, I mean, the reforms in the judicial system do not really concern people in the street in Turkey. That means that they are not aware of the human rights abuses that this country is being subject to on a daily basis, which doesn't give me hope about the future. But you're right, the reason why there is so much emphasis on the reform process, if that's going to happen, the reason why is because Turkey should be sending positive signals to the foreign investors. But I would like to come back to what happened with Bülent Arınç. This resignation actually coupled with a couple of other incidents inside Erdogan's Justice and Development Party. And two former deputies, a member of parliament uh, from the AKP, one of them was expelled from the party because of a recent book that he published. And uh, he actually gave an interview to the BBC on the book. And he talked about the Kurdish peace process, which was initiated by President Erdogan himself. And now we have an Erdogan clearly saying that there is no Kurdish issue in Turkey. I believe that these things are kind of interrelated. Erdogan makes such statements publicly, he sometimes leaves no other option for his counterpart. And that that was a similar situation for Bülent Arınç, because Erdogan came up when Bülent Arınç appeared on a national TV channel and started talking about how he believes people like political prisoners, like, of course, he didn't use the term political, that's uh, how I phrase it, but Osman Kavala and Selahattin Demirtas should be released. This was kind of a red line for Erdogan, we understand. Apparently, this is a red line for Devlet Bahçeli, and it looks like Devlet Bahçeli is imposing his red lines over President Erdogan. But the trouble here is, 
as you said, they don't have a possible electoral victory in the pipeline with the current policies. And it seems that it's more Devlet Bahçeli benefiting from this alliance than President Erdogan. Then the obvious question is, why stay in this alliance if you are AK Parti? I think the answer to that question is AK Parti has gone through so many different alliances in the past. Many of those, well, all of those uh, alliances ended up uh, bitterly for the uh, other party in the alliance that AK Parti doesn't have room for forging new alliances that would sort of free them from this rather rigid policy platform that MHP puts them in and, you know, expand their support base. That's why I think our party, although benefiting less than its partner, finds itself in a position where it has to remain in this alliance and find Mr. Erdogan finds himself in a position to take all necessary measures to keep the alliance intact. One thing that I'd like to perhaps underline for the audience about the significance on the resignation of Bülent Arınç is that Bülent Arınç is the last symbolic figure that was with AK Parti and with uh, Mr. Erdogan since the beginning of establishment of AK Parti. Exactly. So with him, I mean, he's not, you know, leaving AK Parti, but obviously he's out now. With him being out, I mean, there are other people around the president who have been with him uh, since the beginning, but I find uh, Bülent Arınç is the last symbolic figure that was there and he is no longer. So from that perspective, nobody is now around Mr. Erdogan that has been there from the beginning. Well, John, in his resignation statement, Bülent Arınç said that he is not actually leaving the AKP. But you never know, because we heard rumors over the course of last few weeks that apparently in their private conversations with President Erdogan, Bülent Arınç is said to tell him that there is a group of members of parliament from the AKP who might be leaving the party and joining the ranks of Deva Party, which was founded by Ali Babacan, if they don't see any intentions to reform and to renew the, the AKP agenda. Well, these are all political rumors. Politics right now is open to any scenarios. We are entering that phase in Turkish politics. Don't you think so? I agree with you, Jansu. And while these are rumors, uh, perhaps let me remind you a interview that Mr. Babajan gave a couple of weeks ago where he was asked about this rumor. And, you know, at the time uh, of Berat Albayrak's resignation, the rumor was that actually a group of MPs had threatened Erdogan that they would leave if Berat Albayrak was not removed from duty. Now, I find that rumor to be baseless because I don't think any group of MPs can pose such a threat and then still uh, stay inside. But the answer that Mr. Babajan gave was rather interesting because he said, I don't think such a thing happened, but he said, we were very careful about not transferring any MPs in the beginning because we wanted to start afresh. We wanted to bring new people into politics and we didn't want to appear like uh, AK Party version 2.0. But then he added, going forward, they will be open to people coming from uh, other parties, not only from AK Party, but obviously predominantly from AK Party, to join their ranks. 
because he said now that they're completed their provincial organization and, you know, they have recruited their deputies, deputy executives and whatnot, and, you know, provincial leaders and organizations. Now he said that they will be ready soon to accept transfers from other parties. So I think the fact that Mr. Babajan actually said this gives more credibility to, to that rumor that you just mentioned. So there might be actually our party deputies who are rather restless and they are looking forward to to change sides. And going forward, I think we will see this happening. Well, Jen, our loyal audience is probably aware that in almost every other episode, I keep asking you two key questions. The first question is whether E-Party and Meral Akşener would be open to changing sides and uh, supporting Erdogan's AKP. And every time I ask you this in the past months, you said that you don't see that possible. And today I'm not going to ask that question to you once more because I have my answer judging by the developments. We are talking about a robust AKP-MHP alliance, which has become very evident in the last few weeks. And this alliance stands still because Erdogan probably knows that he has no other choice. And it gives me the impression that the AKP has not received any positive signals in the past months from Merelakşener or E-Party. And I'll go ahead with the second key question I keep asking throughout all Zeitgeist Turkey episodes. Are you expecting an early election. I know your position. You always say that you don't. And the last time I checked, you said you don't expect. But Turkish politics is very dynamic. <laughs> and and uh, we keep seeing different scenarios looming. So are you still on the same page? I am on the same page, Jansu. My position has not changed. There is a subtle difference, perhaps. I think I feel that the opposition will now push even harder to convince the public to demand early elections. That's the feeling that I'm getting because all these things actually make the argument of the opposition that stability in the country has been lost even uh, stronger, but they still need to organize the public, have the demand come from public. We are a long way from that, but your question, I don't expect an early election call from the ruling uh, bloc. There could have been if, for example, Mr. Erdogan had chose to take on board Bülent Arınç's uh, statements against all opposition from MHP, but that didn't materialize. So I don't see again why the ruling bloc would go for early elections. As a final point for today, the hike in the interest rates, the decision of Erdogan last week, did not really stop Turkish lira losing value against the foreign currencies. You said Erdogan's understanding of reforms might be reduced to some kind of economic reform, economic reform package. What has been done so far to stop the bleeding? Has it been enough? What else do we need from the government so that Turkish economy really enters a recovery path, apart from the political reforms that we, we discussed? I think, you know, one reason why Lira started depreciating again is probably that while the interest rate hike was welcome, at the end of the day, the official rate actually became the de facto rate that was in the market. So it was just a confirmation of what was already the Uh, interest rate. So that's one thing. 
That might be one reason. The second reason is, I think, the, the old political turmoil is actually, again, uh, creating uh, an instable uh, environment. And I think that that takes its toll on the currency. As I mentioned before, I believe now Turkish politics might be open to any surprise. I don't want to sound like a politician, but as a journalist, this is how I see it. But for today, we have come to a close. Thank you very much for your remarks. My pleasure, Jansu. Always. You were on Zeitgeist Turkey. Thanks for being with us. Until next time, stay healthy and stay safe. Goodbye. Bye-bye.